The Blood Red Podcast is heading to Dublin and the D2 Bar for an exclusive live Champions League final preview night brought to you by Carlsberg on Wednesday, May 29th. Our very own James Pearce and Ian Doyle will be joined by host Phil Egan from the Off The Ball and Stephen Daly from the LFC Day Trippers podcast. Doors open at 7pm with the event kicking off at 7.30pm and tickets are exclusive to competition winners. To enter, visit bloodred.ie. That's bloodred.ie. Don't miss out. This is the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, my name is Paul Wheelock and welcome to a special spin-off edition of the Blood Red Podcast. Uh, So much of our focus in the build-up to Saturday's Champions League final has been and will be centred on the massive match itself. But for this podcast, we will be concentrating on the road to Madrid and just how Liverpool have made it to a second successive final. And I'm delighted to be joined by the man who has been with the Reds every step of the way, our Liverpool FC correspondent, James Pearce. How you doing, Paul? You okay? Yeah, all right, mate. Thank you very much for uh, agreeing to do this, mate. Uh, we, we did a similar podcast, didn't we? This time last year before yeah. the, the Kiev final where 12 months goes, I don't know. When uh, It was clear then that it was the beginning of something for Liverpool and, and not the end despite the defeat to Real Madrid. But could you have imagined a year on that, that, that the making of a final? No, in all honesty, not, not, not because I didn't think they were good enough because I think you know we, we'd seen such thrilling development that you kind of knew that Kiev wasn't going to be a one-off, but just because it is so difficult to to get there, you, know, you only have to look at the fact that what Jurgen Klopp's the first Liverpool manager to to lead the club to back-to-back European Cup finals since Joe Fagan in the in the mid '80s. So you know, in itself, it's a remarkable achievement, and um, yeah, and I, you know, I think it makes it even more special the the fact that you know I remember being sat in that Olympic Stadium in in Kiev last May, and you almost feared for what that defeat would do to them in terms of just how demoralising it was because, you know, we are, you know, Liverpool have lost a number of finals in recent years, but, you know, that it just felt so, so cruel that, to, you know, everything that went against them that night from, you know, from being the better team for the best part of half an hour to then, you know, Mo Salah being, you know, cruelly dumped out of the final by uh, by Ramos's antics and, and then obviously then what happened with Ramos and, and Carius and Carius's meltdown and, um, and that's why I think it, it's it's an even greater achievement to have to have got back there again, to have channeled all that hurt and used it as as extra motivation, and and now yeah, here we are again, just just days away from from Liverpool walking out in yet another European Cup final. Before we get to Madrid, we'll have to take you back to September the 18th uh, with the 3-2 victory over Paris Saint-Germain at Anfield. If we didn't know it already, I think that kind of night proved that this Liverpool side wasn't a flash in the pan in Europe. At the, yeah, Europe. I mean, that that was, you know, we've been we've been spoilt really over the course of the season in terms of special games, but that was that was right up there in, in terms of the quality of it. Um, and although it was dramatic in terms of how Liverpool wrapped up the win, it was it was fully deserved. They were... They were much better, I thought, than, than PSG on the night. You know, once they went two 0 up, I think you know Daniel Sturridge. You know, bizarrely, that was actually his first Champions League start for the for the club. You know, he waited a long, long time for that, marked it with a goal, um, and then I think Milner's penalty made it two. And then you know, you, you almost felt as if Liverpool were going to run away with it. But you know, PSG, you know, with the, the expense that's been uh, you know splashed out on assembling that team, I think well, even the front three alone cost four hundred million quid um they were always gonna prov- provide something of a of a uh, of a backlash and yeah once Mbappe made it 2-2 you thought it might be a, a tale of what might have been but um you know we, we've seen it so often this season this Liverpool team 
don't give in. They they don't accept their fate when it looks as if things are going against them. And then, uh, you know, Firmino came off the bench, you know, only, only what was it, a few days, I think, after suffering what was a horrible eye injury uh, down at Tottenham and, and rifled home the winner. And that was the, the perfect start to the group stage. It wasn't plain sailing after that. I think it was the defeat in Napoli was followed by further losses at Red Star, most surprisingly, and, and PSG. And it, it did leave Liverpool with a, a bit of a difficult position. You know, you look back at the season as a whole and those de- those defeats just seem to be totally out of context now, don't they? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you know, both both Napoli away and Red Star, I thought they were pretty wretched performances and very much out of keeping with what we'd seen from this Liverpool team, both in Europe and in the Premier League. I think it felt as if certainly, you know, the Napoli one, I think it was at that stage where the players, I think, were still getting to grips with the way in which the style had changed. Um, you know, Klopp looking to make Liverpool harder to beat, you know, less gung-ho, um, you know, more 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 kind of emphasis on defensive steel and um and they just yeah they just made so many mistakes it, away away to napoli you know gave the ball away so cheaply invited pressure and you know, it looked like they were going to get away with it for for a long time but um you know conceded the late the late winner over there and um you know belgrade was an, an absolute cauldron i mean I, I don't think i've ever been at a, an opposition ground that's been noisier than that, I remember like the, the front page of the papers in Belgrade that day were read uh, "Welcome to Hell," and it, it wasn't it wasn't far off in terms of. Uh, I don't think we can repeat the choreographed chant that the Red Star fans had when Liverpool came out to warm up, but it it wasn't particularly pleasant. Um, and you know, we talk about the power of Anfield, having you know the impact that has on intimidating opponent opponents, and there's there's no doubt that Liverpool were affected by that. I think also. Maybe one of those rare rare occasions as well where Liverpool underestimated their opposition, um, because of course you know they they'd wiped the floor with Red Star at Anfield and you know were fully expected to do the same over there, um, but you know that was a that was a massive thing for Red Star to to have Liverpool in town and 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 they were worthy winners on the night um, and yeah you know if you'd said at that point that this European run would end in Madrid on June the first. Uh, you know, I'd have asked you how many pints you'd been drinking because there was, there was, you know, Liverpool's travel sickness at that point, you know, was really hampering them. Um, the, the game away at PSG was different. I actually thought Liverpool played pretty well that night. Um, again, they that was a game when they paid the price for a, a slow start. They, I think, they probably showed PSG a bit too much respect in that first twenty twenty five minutes. Stood off them a bit too much, let them play, and then, you know, suddenly you find yourselves two 0 down. Um, you know, they got back into it. I think what Milner scored, and um, you know, they they gave it a real good go in that in that second half. So, you know, I, I, that 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 performance I felt was very different to Napoli away and Red Star away. But it was, yeah, the group stage was was very very turbulent. Um, and obviously, in the end, it it came down to kind of a, a win or bust contest with, when Napoli came to town. My abiding memory of that Napoli night was that Allison save. You know, late on, like, and you were talking a moment ago before the first Napoli game. It was, uh, it was a lot about that defensive steel trying to get the way that Liverpool were trying to play. And but he has been such a good signing, and that was one of the pivotal moments, wasn't it? That? Yeah, that was that was huge. Um, I mean, it was it was definitely fully deserved by Liverpool on the night because they they were better than Napoli. I think, um, you know, we talk about how the, the the team has evolved, and that was very much kind of what Klopp was looking for in terms of Liverpool playing as this kind of slick, cohesive unit, um, you know, got the goal and, and kept Napoli at, at bay, really. Um, but 
you know, when it was one at one nil, you always knew that you know, it was on a knife edge, and yeah, certainly that was one of those moments when it dropped to Milik. It was you know, it could only have been what five minutes to go, and you kind of you you just one of those ones where you just expected the net to burst because it dropped absolutely perfectly to him. But you know, Alison Becker came to the rescue, and um, yeah, I think that's certainly that's the single biggest difference between this Liverpool team and the one that reached Kiev last season you know the fact that now they have got a genuinely world-class goalkeeper and you know it was a massive show of ambition when they went and spent that 65 million pound um to buy him from Roma last July um you know the biggest compliment you could pay him is he's he's lived up to all those those expectations I mean you know people will argue I'm sure you know whether how much that blow to the head that Carrier suffered influenced the, the two blunders of his in the in the final in Kiev but you know, regardless of of that, you know, Carius was not an elite level goalkeeper. You know, he's still relatively young. Who knows? He may one day blossom into one at another club. But um, that was an area of glaring weakness that you know Liverpool were, were trying to buy Allison long before that final in Kiev. I think you go back to it was the January of that season when they they first made tentative contact with Allison's representatives and. Um, you know, I know John Akterberg from speaking to him, he, he said that he, he was on his radar even three or four years before when Alexander Doney, who only had a very short-lived career at Liverpool, Brazilian goalkeeper, had kind of flagged up to Akterberg, this young keeper coming through the ranks in his homeland. And um, so it's, you know, it's, Liverpool had known for a long time what Alisson was capable of and certainly his performances in the Champions League for Roma last season. Um, you know, despite ironically having a pretty torrid night at Anfield <laughs> yeah. when Liverpool stuck five past him, but um, you know, it was that was that wasn't down to him. I think they knew that he would be perfect for this Liverpool team, and and he certainly, you know, he, he's 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 been he's proved to be worth every single penny because um, you know he's an absolute commanding presence in terms of bossing his penalty area, and he's made some big big saves along the way, and yeah, none bigger than that one from Milik against Napoli. I remember that time, it was around the time of the dramatic derby win over Everton as well, and I think were, the wins were beginning to stack up. Did you get a feeling that something was happening here, you know, when you're seeing results in big moments like that? Yeah, I think probably the yeah the Napoli one was, was when when you thought, do you know what, after a pretty, what had been a pretty roller coaster group stage and, you know, with the three away defeats, I think, I think you know, it was Liverpool were, were in danger of making history for all the wrong reasons. I think it was... When they lost three in a row away from home, I think you had to go about 40 years for wow. the last time a Liverpool team had done that. Um, but yeah, by the time the group stage finished and j- just to deal with a game as... Because, you know, Napoli are no mugs. You know, that was... that was a, You know, we, I think the year before, people probably quite, quite rightly said, well, Liverpool had been done a favour by the group stage draw and, you know, it almost felt like it was a Europa League group in the Champions League. But that wasn't the case this time around when... You know, you've got the French champions, you've got the second best team in in Syria and, you know, a Red Star team that it was just huge for them to be back in amongst Europe's elite. Um so yeah, I think yeah, the Napoli the Napoli home game was the one where you it, it kinda like I think probably reaffirmed your belief that this Liverpool team could could go a long way in the competition. Although at that stage you're also thinking it's gonna be tough to try and sustain a challenge on both fronts because, you know, very few teams, even even the ones who who play in other European leagues where you're not tested as regularly as in the Premier League, you know, do find it difficult to to last the pace on both fronts. 
Definitely. I suppose it leads on to my next question. The reward, if you can call it, that was Bayern Munich in, in the last 16, which a bit like the group stage, wasn't straightforward. Well, at least until that second leg, at least. No, it was, you know, that was an absolutely mouthwatering game, wasn't it? You know, it couldn't have been much tougher, but I think it was, you know, I remember being that, you know, really excited. But when that draw was made, because it had been for two you know, big heavyweights of European football. It had been a ridiculous amount of time since the clubs had, had last met. And then obviously you had the, the dynamic of Klopp going back to the Allianz and, you know, locking horns with his old foes again. And um, two very different games. I mean, the, the first one at Anfield um, you know, was a non-event really. You know, Bayern were very, very respectful in terms of the way they were set up. You could tell how fearful they were of what Liverpool could do to them on the counter-attack if they over-committed. Um, and, you know, I, I remember you know, speaking to players in the mix zone after that night and you know, I think there was a general sense of kind of like anti-climax around Anfield afterwards because it was, oh, you know, nil-nil. And I think traditionally you almost think nil-nil at home in the first leg of a European knockout tie is, is a pretty poor result, you know, because you know, then... But I remember like Virgil van Dijk saying, well... You know, it's fine. You know, it's, it's <laughs> half time in the tie. He said, you know, they didn't score an away goal. He said, you know, if they want to celebrate their nil-nil draw, that's up to them. He said, you know, we, we fancy our chances of going anywhere and scoring. And he said also, you know, on home turf, Bayern are going to have to show a bit more ambition. Um, and that was exactly how it how it panned out. And, um, you know, I know Klopp described that second leg as the most complete European performance he, he said he'd ever been part of. And you could understand where he was coming from because... Um, I think it was just one of those nights where every department functioned perfectly in terms of, you know, when Liverpool were under pressure, you know, defensively they they dealt with it so well. Um, you know, the midfield just you know they absolutely worked their socks off and uh, to assume control in that area, and then you know the the potency of of Liverpool's attackers got the job done. I think you know probably the second leg will be re- remembered for the the pass of the season. I think from Virgil Van Dijk with pinging that what was probably 50, 60 yard pass into Sadio Mane's feet and then just the the breathtaking quality of that finish to, you know, absolutely made a mug out of Manuel Neuer um, with that spin and, uh, you know, and the, the dinked finish. Um, you know, Mane, you know, again, just proved himself to be the man for the big occasion over the course of this European run. He, you know, he, he, he doesn't, he doesn't tend to well, he doesn't. He seems to get big goals in yeah. Europe. You know, when you know the vast majority of his goals have been in the knockout rounds, when there's been so much at stake. Um, and then even even that night, I think we saw the development of the team in terms of you know when you, know, the, you wondered how they'd react. Uh, I think it was Matip's own goal that enabled Bayern to restore parity. And um, but there was just no sense of panic or anything. They just all stuck to their guns, all belief. But you know, believed in in the plan uh, and what they were capable of doing. And then, you know, with, with Van Dyke and then, and then Mane, I think we got the, the third one. And, you know, the thing that struck me about that night was, you know, the Bayern fans around us in the press box. I remember they, they applauded Liverpool off wow. afterwards. And cause I think, you know, you, you know, speaking to a few of them afterwards and they were like, I think they were blown away by just how good Liverpool were. And because you know, Bayern are not used to a team going into their backyard and outplaying them in, in that kind of manner. You know, they're used to having things their own way in the Bundesliga. Um, and I know at the time, Bayern had a few problems domestically in terms of they were playing catch-up to Dortmund in the Bundesliga. And I think you know, some people in the aftermath of that game almost tried to play it down, kind of saying that, oh, Bayern aren't the force they were and you know they're an ageing team. And 
Um, but you only had to look at the way they then responded to then go on and win the Bundesliga. That you know they're they're no yeah. mugs and for, and for yeah that was you know we talk about probably the beating Napoli was was the time where you thought you know Liverpool are going to be contenders and then when you get rid of Bayern in that kind of manner you you think there's absolutely no reason for Liverpool to fear anyone here. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So after Munich, Paris Saint-Germain, Napoli and being Helen back in, in Belgrade, yeah. take your professional hat off for a moment. Were you pretty chuffed when you seen Porto's name jump out the hat to take on Liverpool in the quarterfinals? Yeah, oh God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no no question they were the team that everyone wanted, I think, in in that in the last eight. Um, you know, I, 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 it's one of the funny parts of the job when like, football, ma- football managers can never say what they really feel, <laughs> do they? And, you know, I, I remember like Klopp's quotes that day and, you know, you know, saying, I know people say that we wanted Porto. We did not want, he said, we did not want Porto. And I think, like, oh, you think you're protesting a bit much there. But, yeah. you know, I think secretly he would have been doing cartwheels around the the, the corridors of Melwood because, um, you know, he said everything you'd expect him to say. But the bottom line is they were the weakest team left in the competition at, at that point. Um, and, you know, but again, you, you it's those two games against Porto almost get kind of shoved to one side, I think, in this European run, just because you know, Liverpool were just expected to win and they did, you know, they they lived up to that. But, you know, I know from going over there uh, for the second leg that, they, you know, that they were very, you know, their fans and people around that club would, were absolutely desperate to, to to kind of show that they were better than 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 what Liverpool had done to them the year before when you know that was that was the heaviest home defeat that Porto had ever had you know 5-0 over there in the in the in the in the previous season um but it was just a thoroughly professional job and you know it was Porto were actually I felt you know I think you had to have some sympathy for them after the game at Anfield because it was 2-0 defeat probably you know they they missed some chances that night and um you know if they had got an away goal you know, it would have shifted the dynamic of the tie going into the second leg, and then even that second leg. I mean, you 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 know, you look at the scoreline afterwards, and you know, it looks like an absolute procession. But for the first twenty twenty five minutes in Porto, Liverpool were were horribly <laughs> ragged. I mean, it was it was almost on a par with Belgrade in terms of making making mistakes and and inviting pressure. And they were fortunate in a way that that Porto w- were lacking in quality just in the in the final third, um, but. Also, it was one of those ones where even afterwards, when you were thinking, wow, Liverpool were bad for the first quarter of that game. But then when you actually looked back through your notes, it didn't, Porto didn't really create real clear-cut opportunities. And you know, I think that's down to the, just how good Alisson is in terms of anticipating danger and dealing with it. And also, certainly that Porto away game, I thought Joel Matip was was immense that yeah. night. And Van Dijk, you, know, you almost take it for granted that he's a, he's a 9 out of 10 alongside him. Um but yeah, Matip, probably one of the unsung heroes of the the march to Madrid in terms of, you know, a player that didn't really get much of a look in, in the first half of the season. Um, but then, you know, when Liverpool really needed him, when they were down to the bare bones in many ways with Gomez out and Lovren out as well, um, he really stepped up and, you know, quite rightly held down his place during the latter months of the, the campaign. To the new camp and the last four Barcelona for myself, a, a, like a lot of uh, football fans watching that strange game. Liverpool <laughs> played awfully well, 
and then they come away with a, a three 0 defeat, which was obviously inspired by Lionel Messi. What was it like for you reporting from the ground that night? Yeah, it was. A, it, to be honest, it was a very, very difficult game to make sense of because you, sometimes you get accused in this job when you know when or after a defeat like that of if you try and say something positive, people say you know, you're sugarcoating it. Just tell it as it is. You're scared to criticise or whatever. And but it was actually. You know, I remember being sat there. You know, the press box in the, in the camp there is right up in the gods, and um, you know, sat there kind of forty five minutes after the final whistle, um, just finishing off my stuff. And it it was a difficult one to make sense of because you think Liverpool have just lost three 0 in the first leg of a Champions League semi final. So there's nothing you can't. <laughs> there's nothing to be happy about yeah. there in terms of. You know, like that's a pretty dismal position to find yourselves in halfway through a semi-final tie. But it was very difficult to be critical because I thought I thought Liverpool were absolutely brilliant that night for long, long periods. And yeah, they made some mistakes, especially you know in terms of how wasteful they were with their chances. Um, but you know, they went behind against the run of play um, with with Suarez. Uh, it was Suarez, wasn't yeah, it? Suarez's yeah. goal that night opened the scoring, and then. And then you know, just you know, second half, Barcelona looked rattled. I thought, you know, they're not used to teams really like not showing them respect. I think they're used to teams going there and parking the bus and and desperately trying to keep them out. While Liverpool were in their faces, hassling and harrying them and and forcing them to knock it long at times. And um, you know, it was one of those games where in the second half you were just waiting for Liverpool to equalise because. They were a bit unlucky that I think two of the best chances fell to James Milner. You wouldn't have necessarily picked as the one that was you, you wanted them to to drop to. Um, and then you know the brilliance of Lionel Messi. Um, you know, there was a little bit of luck, obviously, attached to his his first one with the coming back off the woodwork. But you, know, you can't legislate for the the brilliance of that that free kick. And you know, I'd, I'd like I think usually count myself as quite an optimistic person, but. <laughs> I must admit, once once that last that late chance was missed, when obviously Firmino, who wasn't fit enough to start the game, and he comes on, his shots cleared off the line. I think it was by Rakitic, and then Salah, when it looked easier to score, somehow hit the post. And it, you know, to me, it felt like the tie had gone then because I felt, you know, if if Liverpool had scored an away goal, you know, what three-one wouldn't have been the end of the world. But you know, and you, you're trying to put a brave face on things and you know, on the one hand you're thinking well the way that Liverpool have competed with Barcelona and proved they they were better than them really on the night gives you hope for the second leg but then in the back of my mind I'm thinking if Barcelona score one at Anfield Liverpool need five yeah. and I just didn't think that was realistic so to that second leg and that astonishing comeback, I actually remember watching your video verdict late at night after you sent it over, and you looked shell shocked, like a lot of people. Like it was, it was like it was. It looks emotionally draining. God knows what it was like to actually playing. But is that probably one of your best moments in reporting and watching Liverpool? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know, I obviously I've been doing this job for I think eight and a half years now, and has been lucky enough to report on some some amazing days um over that period but yeah I don't think anything comes close to that just you know it was it was just absolutely breathtaking and, and miraculous I think you know I I must admit I went there that night I remember parking up and walking across Stanley Park and thinking I wonder whether the atmosphere might not have that absolute edge to it tonight because it mm-hmm. you just wondered whether the result from the first leg would just dampen spirits a bit and then and then I saw a massive plume of, of red smoke rising above the Anfield <laughs> Road um, as the you know the coach was making its way down and thousands lining the streets and then suddenly 
it was like wow the, you know this <laughs> the you know i think yeah, it almost it, because it gets talked about a lot it almost becomes a cliche but you know the the power of Anfield is real and that was that was the perfect illustration of it because um that place was was absolutely rocking that night and everything that happened in the game was perfect in terms of maintaining that intensity in the stands that, that without question affected the Barcelona players I mean you know I think Klopp had said they needed to be close to perfection if they were going to pull it off and and that's exactly what Liverpool produced I mean you know to get the early goal you know, was 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 you know that was exactly what you needed just just to maintain that noise in the the stands and give the players belief. Um, but even then, I mean, it was just it just felt like the odds were so stacked against Liverpool that night with not just the scoreline, not just the fact it was Barcelona, not just the fact they were up against arguably the best player in world football without Salah, without Firmino, without Cater. You know, you know, you throw into the mix the fact that those Barcelona players had all had the weekend off previously. Yeah. Liverpool had had an absolutely energy sapping game up at Newcastle. It was, it, you know, that 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 you know, you you could almost run out of of words to try and describe the magnitude of that achievement. And then, um, you know, it's been a feature of this season that you know when when you know when Liverpool have needed heroes, you know, unlikely ones have emerged at times, and you know that was another case in point with. Origi that night and you know, Genie Wijnaldum you know I, it felt like you know he I think he was a man with a a point to prove that night probably fuming that he'd been left <laughs> out the starting lineup because I'm sure if you look at it from his perspective he's thinking well hang on a minute you know I've just done a job out of position as a number nine over in the, the Camp Nou and absolutely run myself into the ground and then the second leg comes along and, and I'm, I'm on the bench and but what an impact you know the the, the quality of his Two goals. I mean, you know, the first time finish for the first one, and then absolutely thumping header, um, and then you know, Barca certainly. I, th- I felt first half after the Liverpool went one 0 up, Barca had a really, really good spell, and you know, again, that was when having someone of the world class talent of Alison Becker came to the fore. With you know, there was one save made just before half time from I think it was Jordi Alba when he was so quick off his line to narrow the angle, and. Because you know that whole thing was on a knife edge. You know, I think again, you know, if Barcelona had scored one, you know, that just kills it. Um, and you know, they did they did have chances. I thought Messi was, was absolutely mesmerising at spells in that first half. And um, but Liverpool, you know, hunted in packs. The you know the the work rate they put in was you know was absolutely crazy that night. And um, it, it felt like at three nil, that that was when that was when. I kind of felt this is happening now. Mm. You know, this, and although, although in fact, when you look at it now with hindsight, that that was essentially only cancelling out the damage from the yeah. first leg. But Barcelona looked looked shell shocked at three 0 and I think part of that as well as what had happened to them um, at the hands of Roma the year before. I think it was almost that sense of it's happening again. Um, but also, you know, they 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 were they were you know, like rabbits caught in the headlights, which is crazy when you look at the. You know the, the 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 names on the back of those shirts, and you'd think they'd be above all that, but they they really weren't that night. And um, and then the fourth goal, um, you know, testament to the the genius of Trent Alexander Arnold to have you know the just the the peace of mind and you know the uh, the vision to spot Barcelona napping and to take that quickly taken corner. And Origi made a difficult finish look look very very easy. And then you know even in those last ten minutes, I never I never really feared the prospect of, of it slipping away again because 
um, Liverpool were were so much in the ascendancy. But yeah, I think that's the. I mean, I, you know, I, I I wasn't obviously there for St Etienne or Inter Milan going going way back, but um, you know, I think people that have been going to Anfield for a lot longer than me describe that as the the greatest night Anfield's ever had, and you know, I, I nothing that I've ever experienced has has come close to that because um, yeah, it was just. Just you know, I think like by most people afterwards, you know, you, you were struggling to try and comprehend what you just witnessed because it was so so special. Just a final one. I've got to ask you about the final, <laughs> Madrid. I know on our podcast this week leading up to the to the game against Tottenham, we'll be talking a lot about that. But just one final question: Is this? Do you feel it in your in in, in the in your bones that Liverpool are going to win number six? Oh God, I certainly hope so. I mean, it's you know it, it's been there's been so many near misses, hasn't there? And um, you know, it just this team has to win something. They're, they're, they're too good a team not to win any, anything. It would be, I would you know, to to lose this one would be absolutely gut wrenching. When you know, it, especially that this season, you know, to have to have done what they've done, they deserve something tangible to show for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, when you've when you've come up short in in so many finals, you know, you, I think you don't want to be too bullish. But you know, when you take a step back and look and look at it, you know, this is different to a year ago. You know, Liverpool went into that final against Real Madrid in Kiev, knowing that deep down, probably Real Madrid were going to need to have an off night, and Liverpool were going to need to be bang on it if they were going to get over the line. You know, that wasn't how it it transpired. It, you know, it, it was everything went against Liverpool that night. This time around, they're favourites. It's a very different dynamic. It's Tottenham. It's that, that, That's going to be interesting in terms of, I think, I can understand when people say you'd rather have faced Ajax in the final because I think, yeah, I, you know, Liverpool would have been more of an unknown quantity to Ajax. And I also think probably what we actually saw happen in their second leg of their semi-final, that it's a young Ajax team. And I think, you know, being in a big final would have been a daunting prospect for some of them. And I think Liverpool's greater experience would have come to the fore. Um, so, but then, you know, that still applies really in many ways to Tottenham. You know, they're in uncharted territory. They've they've never been to a final before. And it just feels like this Liverpool team have building, been building towards this. And it's, it's, it's a stronger Liverpool, a more like resilient Liverpool and a, a more streetwise Liverpool compared to 12 months ago. And, you, know, you you look at the way in which they've performed this season. I, I don't think the favourites tag or, or unduly worry them. I think you know Liverpool have been used to being favourites in the vast majority of their games this season, and it certainly hasn't it hasn't held them back. Um, the three week gap's interesting, just because I think that's a massive challenge for both managers and and probably which manager manages to deal with that the best. Um, will have a, a say in the outcome. I think probably favours Tottenham a bit more just because. With, you know they they did look absolutely on their knees towards the back end of the season Tottenham and obviously with Kane and a few others on the comeback trail um you know it's, it gives them that opportunity to get back fit um you know no wonder Klopp has been you know trying to look to try and get a, a blind behind closed doors friendly in because I think it's just getting that balance right isn't it between you want your players to be rested rested but you need that match sharpness as well so um no, I'm, you know, I'm. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Anyway, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's more than anything. It's just an occasion to absolutely savor, isn't it? You know, you know, you know, when, when you think that only 18 months ago it had been nine years since Liverpool even yeah. competed in the knockout <laughs> yeah. stages of the Champions League, and 
you know, if someone had said then when, you know, Liverpool went to went to Porto in that last 16 tie that, you know, only what we're talking 16 months on or whatever, they'd be going, walking out in back-to-back Champions League finals. I mean, you know, you Klopp's, the job he's done has been absolutely extraordinary and, um, you know, people will bang on about his record in finals and all the rest of it. And, um, you know, and I, I just think, you know, it's, he doesn't have a problem with finals. That's, you know, it's, it's ridiculous that that argument. There's been reasons behind all of them why Liverpool have, have come up short. But it feels like this Liverpool are a different beast towards, you know, to, to 12 months ago. And um, I just, yeah, this, you know, you you just hope for the sake of, you know, someone like Jordan Henderson, for all those players, really, for what they've put into this season. You know, you know they they deserve to have something to show for it at the end of it. And, you know, there's there's no bigger prize to chase. Of course, missing out on the Premier League title was was gut wrenching, but the biggest prize in European football is is the Champions League and Liverpool are ninety minutes away from delivering it. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.